hello welcome i am your host and you are currently listening to a chance to strive i don't know why but that actually felt good to say because i felt like i haven't been able to say that for so long feels good bro whenever i take a little break or i don't come here it's like i miss it okay so basically i felt like coming back the reason why i kind of took this space i've been mentioning the fact that i'm in a mental space where it's like a lot is happening and i'm trying to kind of keep up with it so i don't drown in the process like it's a good thing i feel like i'm getting to a stage where it's like i'm becoming better and it's gonna take a lot of work because a lot of my traits i'm trying to take them to another level even though i still hear people telling me oh you don't good i'm still like i could do better so it's like a little bit is me being hard on myself but with everything that i have going on with everything that i've built for myself I can't slack. If I slack for too long, I lose it. At times, I have to step back and make sure that I'm straight. But I still got to come back here, even if I have an exam or I just took it. Even if I just took an exam yesterday, if I have an essay that's for about to be due, it's like I got to maintain it. But yeah, so basically, me coming back is kind of like I don't want to use this platform as a way to come and talk about my life without you guys ever getting anything from it. So the thing is, it's like when I'm going through something, I'm not gonna come and talk about it as I'm going through it. But I will gladly allow you guys to learn from my mistakes or allow you guys to just learn whatever I'm learning in the process. Because whether or not you haven't gone through it, it's still knowledge is power to a certain extent. It's I like knowing shit. And I promise you, whether or not you believe you may need to know some shit down the line, it always helps to know it. Boom. That's for me. Bro, all those little things I read about psychology, people were going to tell me I was going to have a mental health podcast. I wouldn't have believed it, but all that work now makes us a little easier to do since I'm used to reading these things. All right. So basically, we're going to pretty much title this Lessons I'm Learning. So it's not things where it's like whatever I say, that's going to be my mindset on it the whole entire time. It's like, this is the state where I'm at now. And if it changes, I will gladly come back and be like, hey, this is what I realized the reality of the world is. You feel me? This is just my current mindset. So one thing that I've realized is like, me needing to change, I realize it's like such a resistance because I'm just, bro, I got so comfortable with the version of myself that I was being. I'm not saying that I became complacent in the manner of like, oh, like I'm not doing good anymore that I decided of that. But it's like the idea that I love this version of myself for so long i was a people pleaser i didn't necessarily care about like building that self-love you feel me and i got to a point where i started doing that and then i started noticing all those amazing things that i liked about me but then there comes a point where you're changing and there are parts of yourself that you do love but you have to let go of it i'm not saying it's kind of like for me i like pleasing people but at the stage i am in my life i needed to isolate myself to understand myself i literally had to cut off access a lot of people had to me like i understand the fact that it is like me being able to recognize people's needs be there for them that's a strength of mine but at the stage of my life that i'm at i know that it can become a weakness if i'm trying to dedicate time to myself work on myself but then i constantly have my friends texting me i constantly have them to a certain extent i have taken so much space away from a lot of my closest friends and I get it. I understand it's like you can't isolate yourself too much. I get that. But for me, the type of dynamic that I have with a lot of my friends is we're very open, very transparent. So there's a lot of communication, a lot of back and forth. And 
I'm I'm good with the deep shit. You feel me? So it's like if they're going through some shit, they'll reach out to me. It'll be quick advice. But when I'm in a mental state where I'm not really trying to focus on other people's problems, even if it's something that can be quick, it doesn't feel genuine because I'm not in a state that I want to deal with it. So I have to take that space because I don't want to be a person around my friends where I'm not as genuine or my energy's a little off. Still, I get the fact that my friends got to respect if, you know, I'm in a bad mental space, I'm around them, I can't smile as much, out of this, out of that. But I was just kind of like, I know it's a weakness of mine to say no to people that I love. So I'm going to put myself in a position where I don't have people constantly asking me for things. If you want to work on yourself, you're not going to do that by allowing yourself to be way too accessible to people. It's just, it just doesn't make sense because it's like, Imagine I'm I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the zone. I'm focusing on something that I'm going through. My your phone rings and then you pick it up because you see it's your friend. You really care about them. But the next five minutes, if you were alone, you you might have figured out some deep shit that happened to you. But the idea that people can have access to you whenever they please, it means you're constantly going to deal with the fact that your personal time, your alone time, may get interrupted. I'm in a space where I need that time to myself because I'm trying to get over shit. I'm trying to put myself in a mindset where it's kind of like, I right, back to work. But I can't do that constantly focusing on what other people need. Because if I see somebody sad around me, I can't ignore that shit. I just can't. I'm not built to ignore the pain that people go through. So for me, it's like I generally have to take myself out of that because I care too much easily like even if one of my friends won't care about some shit they're going through about a situation me knowing the truth like i'm like this like if this is severe enough for me to care this much but you're just pushing it to the side yada 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 in my head i'm just thinking nah this needs a lot of attention and it's just going to be stuck on my mind i can't just detach myself from things that i care too much about and maybe that's something that i need to i'm i'm trying to learn you feel me because it's like if one thing that i'm currently dealing with is the idea that I'm too attached to certain things and I can't say goodbye to when it's supposed to be ended, right? How am I going to do that constantly keeping everyone so fucking close to me? I can't. I have to get used to a little separation. So to a certain extent, it's like at times your friends may, may become collateral damage, like the bond you have with your friends may become collateral damage while you're trying to work on yourself. But the foundation of your friendship should be strong enough to withhold all of that. Because if you understand that I care about you and I love you, I don't need to constantly hit you up about that shit. I don't need to constantly give you a reminder of it. Another thing that I've recently learned, like I've said, one thing I had to learn is like letting go of things. And I've gotten really, really fucking good with that. In terms of where I used to be at, I still have so much more to go. But it's like something happened this morning before I was recording. And it could have been something that could just got stuck with me. Again. But I was just like, it's it's not worth it. Like at a certain extent, it's just like. I value my peace over shit that I care too much about. And then I heard this quote somebody said they were like, was it was a good ass quote. They were like, anger. Oh, anger is is a punishment you give to yourself for someone else's actions. When I heard that shit, I was like, they're right. There, there has not been a single time where I was angry in a situation and I was like, I am so happy I got angry. No, maybe I could be like, oh, I needed to do this, da, da, da. but I've never been like, oh, yeah, like this was needed. I had to like in the way I feel, it doesn't feel great. Like I always feel like nobody wants to be mad. You don't want to be angry. So it's like, how do I allow someone else's actions to do that shit to me? 
So for me, I was just kind of like, I respect that. So that's why I started letting go of a lot of situations where I may have became too mad or angry. So I'm like, it's just not worth it. And what was it? One thing I realized was the reason why I struggled letting go of the pain, a certain pain like that I was dealing with was because it's all I had left. Like for me, I didn't necessarily realize it, but a lot of the times I'm attached to emotions. I am very much wired in a way where emotions are something that I prioritize. It's something that's constantly sticks with me. And I realized it's like, at times I held on to the pain that I was feeling from past relationships or past situations, past situations, because that's all I had left from it. And I didn't want to say goodbye to that. Like for me, at a certain point, I realized it's like with my last relationship, like a lot of the times, the things that stayed on my mind, it wasn't the amazing times we had, the like the Disney Channel moments we had, you know, like Happy Levy After type shit. Like that's not what I was remembering. I was remembering my hurt. I was remembering it's like, oh, now I got to work on this because you did that. That It's like, but that didn't get me nowhere. It's It just constantly drags you in a hole and you just don't want to deal with the part where you're drowning. And the idea that your thoughts, you're drowning from your own thoughts, it's not something that I wanted for myself. So I was kind of like, let me take a step back. And the one thing that I realize is really hard for people when they're like trying to let go of the pain that you dealt with or like dealing with situations where somebody did you wrong or they did you dirty, right? In, a, in, an, um, in an occasion. For you, it's like, if it was a great moment y'all shared, like whether it's like, you went out with your friend and then you find out they did something behind your back. You're like, damn, what the fuck? This was never real. Like you take away all of the joy out of these situations because at a certain point, something went wrong. Something about that situation was painful. So you took away any memory that could have possibly made it a good thing. But it's like, how helpful is that to you? This person did something and they're the reason why you look at it this way now. But the whole entire time you enjoyed the moment. You had fun. For me, I had to look at my past relationship like that because that was one of the main things I was dealing with. I'm like, there were a lot of moments where I enjoyed myself. There were a lot of memories I have where they're happy. So if I'm going to think about my ex, because it's like here and there, you're going to think like your normal has to change. Your every day to day is like, it's different. You don't have, you're not waking up. It's like, oh, hey, babe, how was your night? You feel me? It's like you wake up. Ah, let me make sure I had a great night. Let me make sure I have a great morning. So for me, it was kind of like, I had to realize I was only attached to the painful situations because that, I don't know, like it's easier to feel things when you're sad. Like if I think about something, oh, I was happy about it. I agree. But then when I'm alone, what are you thinking about? The things that aren't necessarily going right. And I resorted to just thinking about the things I hurt because in, in reality, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to the idea of my ex and me being together. But at a certain point, I was like, Holding on to painful situations and constantly thinking about the ways that you were hurt. It affects you mentally. And the idea is it's kind of like every time you think about something bad, right? For me, I realized something. People don't even realize it. But your brain adapts to what you want it to adapt to. For me, it's like if I started, if I started sleeping early and I told myself I was going to wake up at 8 in the morning, that had to be happy every single day. The days that I started off where I wasn't in a great mood, I felt like something was wrong. Why? Because you constantly, I constantly gave myself a reminder that I needed to be happy. So my brain is like, well, 
you're not in the greatest mood, but this isn't normal. And notices things that aren't normal. At times you get in an environment and you don't even understand why, but you're like, this just isn't my vibe. You can't explain to people why you don't necessarily like it. Like, yeah, you could point out certain details, but at a certain place when you're not somewhere that you're used to, your brain automatically notices. Why do you have to literally point out everything at that club and every? No, at times it's not even the music, but the moment you enter a space where your normal is different than what you're used to, your brain notices it. So for me, it's like before school started, I was on a roll with waking up early, making sure I was starting a good day, but I got in a slump. And then I would, I'm like, oh, I got to start waking up early. But it was so hard. Even if I was beat, wake up at seven o'clock, I could no longer start my day by eight. It was one of those things where my brain would find every way to drag my days to start them at around 10 o'clock with the way I started starting them. It literally didn't matter what I did. It just wouldn't. So for me, it's like a lot of the times you have to realize it's like consistency matters more than anything you really believe when it comes to like, oh, I got to be motivated for this. It's, you just have to find the you just have to find things to be consistent with and know what your normal is. Like a lot of people really doubt how much your brain adapts to things. And that's the whole reason why it's like it took me another thing I really learned. It took me a while to understand what it's like. You be like your friends are a representation of you. I notice it more and more every single day. I'm not saying like, oh, it took me. I now just learned it. But it's like I have a lot of different friend groups. Because I've just done a lot of different things and everywhere I went, I kind of, like, I'm in this friend group, this friend group, and they are different people. The more time I spend away from certain friends and then I come back to them, the more I realize things have changed. It's like, for me, there's some of my friends that play video games all the time. And then I'll divert to some one of my friend groups where we're constantly going out, we're doing this. When I come back and I start hanging out with those friends that play video games all the time, it feels weird because it's like, oh, like I'm not used to playing video games every single day. And I like I don't necessarily find that much joy because that joy that I found from video games, it was from playing with my boys. It wasn't from the game itself. So it's like when I went around my friends and they did certain things, it was more likely that I would do those things. It's not like, oh, your friends are a clear representation of you. But whatever your friend group does, eventually you either become you eventually you either say it's normal or you become a little more accepting of it. If you don't like people that smoke, you're not going to have a friend group where everybody smokes. Why? Because that's not something you're accepting of. But if you want to keep that friend group slowly and slowly, you're going to become more accepting of it. You're going to want like it just doesn't make sense. Like your friend group, if this is not what you want your life to look like, look at the traits that all of your friends normally share in a friend group. If you do not want to be that type of person within the next few years, understand that people don't necessarily always change. People like if I'm a people pleaser, I don't all like it's not it's not like a guarantee that oh one day I'm going to get better at that and I'm no longer a people pleaser. It doesn't it's like oh people improve so they completely change and have a 360. At times people just know how to deal with things a little easier. I'm a people pleaser but now I know how to put my foot down a little more. If you don't want to be around, if you don't want to be a people pleaser at all, and you're around people that constantly are, ple- are people pleasers, to a certain, at a certain point, you're going to pick up on those traits. So that's what I'm saying. It's like if your friend group does not have those traits you want to develop into, those traits that you want to get better at, it just doesn't work. You want to stop smoking, but your friends are constantly smoking. 
how the hell are they possibly ever supposed to help you? They can't. That's their normal, and you're trying to run away from that normal. You have to run to the normal that fits where you're trying to go. Oh, being somebody that knows shit. Like, I've spoken about me being, me dealing with being, like, people thinking I'm a know-it-all and everything like that. I don't give a fuck about that. One thing that I've overestimated my ability to convince people of things, right? So I was, I constantly would try to convince people of shit because I would deal with people who didn't understand things that I understood. And for me, when you understand something, it's easy to understand it because you know it. Duh, right? But to somebody like that's me five times five, I know that's 25 off rip. A baby doesn't understand what the fuck that is at all. Uh, somebody that's in somebody that's in like second grade, I'm thinking by this time they should be able to do it with a little extra work. You feel me? By second, third grade, you start to understand that a little better, right? But it still takes you time. And then at a certain point, it's it's clear you got it. It's raps. For me, I didn't realize the fact that there were certain things that I understood, and I understood them for a few years. So it was at that point where those things are just very apparent and they're clear to me. I understand it like the back of my hand because I've constantly been thinking about these things. And then there are people that just started thinking about working on themselves. There are people that will have gone through six relationships, but they just started thinking about why communication matters. Why you should be transparent about everything if you want to maintain a relationship where you always have trust. Like certain things, even if they sound deep next level for me, it was like, that's obvious. Like, that's how people work. And then I would waste so much fucking energy trying to convince people of things that they were not ready to understand. Like they were just incapable of understanding those things. And I would I found it so draining trying to convince someone that. And at a certain point, I started feeling like I was trying to convince someone of my my knowledge it was like I would be so persistent because it's like, wait, is my communication skills bad? Is that why I can't get you to understand it? The thing is, I was holding myself accountable for someone's, how do I say this? I was holding myself accountable for the fact that someone did not understand something. That doesn't have shit to do with me. If someone is incapable of understanding some shit, there is nothing, like to a certain point, at times, you also do have to understand some people don't want to accept certain shit. So no matter how beautifully it can be said, laid laid out and everything like that, if they don't want to understand it, they will not understand it. And for me, being someone that's good at communication, from what I'm told to a certain extent, like I understand this to a certain extent. Still, I got to get better at those things. But I'm at a place where people are people I at least can say my communication skills, I feel like as if are better than most. Or better than the average. Above average. That's better. Above average. And it's like, do you understand how draining it is trying to prove yourself to people? Like, you just have to accept the fact that some people just, they're not in a space to understand certain things. And I see this happen with so many relationships, so many friendships. And like, this happens with life in general. Like, you will sit there and you will beat yourself over somebody not understanding where you're coming from. Like, why the fuck can't you understand? They don't want to. Like, some people, I realize it's like, when you are so, some people are so focused on you understanding them that they don't really give a fuck about understanding you. Like, it's like, yeah, back and forth as I say my part, you say your part, I say my part, you say your part. Like, it's, 
You feel me? But some people, it's like, until like you have to stop what the fuck you're saying, say, yes, you're right. It is not until you are acknowledging the fact that they are correct. Like you have to show them, I understand what you're saying before they can even start to listen to you. And if I'm dealing with people like that, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not just going to sit here and shut the fuck up and let you talk and get everything out for me to understand you while you can't even begin to understand or listen to the first shit that's coming out of my mouth. It just doesn't work. Oh, this is mad random, but this is probably where I'm going to end off the segment. I actually like this. So I'm in a class and it's gender psychology. I'm not going to lie to you. Any psychology class that I'm in, even if I get a bad grade, I promise you, I love the class. Like It's just the idea, the things that I can learn. And I always take psychology classes that are focused on something. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I really don't give a fuck about intro, intro to psych 101. I don't care about the left side of the brain, the right side. Eventually, I'm going to learn those things and I get one side focus on creativity, memory. But that's not what I'm focused on. So I'm taking gender psychology and I love it. There's so many different things that I'm learning that are like very much subjective to one gender. And it's like I will literally build an episode on some of the main things that I've learned from that class that I think everybody should know. But one of the things that I was going to talk about, which was the most recent thing, was this idea that there's two forms of sexism. Actually, you know, what? fuck it. I'm going to make this a longer episode. I'm going to go into it. So basically, there's this idea. There's like two forms of sexism, right? There's hostile sexism and then there's benevolent sexism hostile sexism is pretty much you're a woman you should fucking cook like you feel me it's a little hostile like it's literally in the fucking word i don't know any other ways to do that like your woman staying in the fucking crib you feel me like it's the part where it's kind of like it's blatant and it's just there's nothing nice about it type shit and benevolent sexism is this idea where it's kind of like you still are going along with the stereotypes that are attached to this idea of who a woman is even if you're being nice about it. So the easiest way to explain that is chivalry. A lot of people are going to be mad, but it's like this idea that you you start thinking, oh, a woman should be protected. Where does that come from? It comes from this idea that a lot of men don't believe you can protect yourself. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. It's like little princess treatment. A lot of guys may give you that. And a lot of guys may offer that because they understand women want it. But you have to make sure that they are offering that for the proper reasons. Because if somebody is going to all constantly walk next to you, be tough, it's like, yeah, you love that. You love holding onto a man's arm. You feel me? But if he feels like you need to do that, to be safe, to do this, to do that, it's it's the exact same thing. Whether or not it's expressed in a nice way, it doesn't fucking matter. This idea that I think, what is it? What else? What other examples did we go through? Can't even think about nothing on the top of my head. But nonetheless, I was kind of like, Wow. And in a lot of countries, even countries where it's like the hostile sexism is very low, benevolent sexism is still very high in a lot of countries. So a lot of men still believe, even if the world is changing and people are changing like how they express their beliefs or like how arrogant they they get to be with it. Because let's be honest, we live in a world where it's like we have social media. I send one text where I'm very arrogant, very. If I send a text very out of character. That can literally get posted on social media and it's it's clipped. Like somebody sees that. You're, like we're in a world where it's like a lot of people won't express things the proper way. They'll try to be sneaky with it. And that's the thing with a lot of men. And it's like, oh, I'm going to take care of you. If I come into your life, I'm going to pay all the bills. You think that's attractive. A man that provides. 
But <laughs> what if this dude is the exact same type of dude where it's like, I'm only saying I'm going to provide everything because why the fuck would I trust a woman with finances? You see the part where it's like, yeah, he didn't say that part. And all he could have said was like, oh, yeah, I'm a man that's going to provide for you. I, I That's just mean. I'm very I'm very traditional. That it is out of that. It sounds beautiful, but it's like the reason people do certain things for you really fucking matter because that determines how like what type of light they actually look at you in. But when I learned about that, I was just kind of like, oh, shit. It's like clearly, you know, like those two things. It's like, yeah, you can express sexism in a way that's bad. And of course, doing it in a way where it's kind of like a little more in a little nicer way. But it's for me, it's like I think a lot of guys get away with the benevolent sexism. Because it's presented in a way where it's so traditional. And the thing is, it's kind of like you can't keep too much tradition trying to go into a brand new world where everything else is different. And what I mean by that is kind of like in a world where it's kind of like the feminist movement. If you look at the feminist movement and then you look at chivalry. I searched this up and then I realized like some people have even spoken about it. So I was like, oh shit, so I'm not bugging. Like chivalry is this, it's like a man is supposed to do this. That's what shit, like in, the, in its most, in its essence, that's what chivalry is. A man is supposed to do this. When we're talking about chivalry, we don't talk about nice things a woman is supposed to do for a man. I don't hear of a word that's designed for that specifically. I'm not saying there isn't, but I'm saying we don't hear it. And I'm on social media 24-7, so it's like, I would hope that I'm not just underneath the rock and I never heard it. But for me, chivalry is always about things that a man is supposed to do for a woman. But the thing you have to understand is, back in the day, people were very much, the mindset they had was very much fucked up in terms of how I looked at women. A woman can't vote. You can't go to war. You can't do this. Like, you can't do that. Chivalry came like the term came from a time where a woman did not have a lot of rights. They came from a time where women were mainly looked at as property that you just you find a good one. She's going to serve you. You got this. And then so chivalry was the part where it's like, well, if you're a gentleman, you're actually going to do things for her as well. It wasn't like, oh, anybody like chivalry is just a great thing. It's, bro, it's for me. I very much love it because how it's so easy to convince people. Because a lot of people don't really focus on the reasons behind things anymore. You just, okay, the person's going to do this for me. They're going to do that for me. That's fine. Like, if you sat down and asked a person, it's like, why does this person do this in your relationship? Oh, because he wants to. But then if you really ask the person the mindset and why they started thinking that way, it's going to be a little different. If I start acting the exact same way as my dad and certain things that he did, you have to understand he did those things because he had a certain mindset. People looked at chivalry a certain way because they had a certain mindset back then. Like arranged marriages was a thing when we were still talking about chivalry way. That was really a thing. Like that's what we miss. Like that's the time that it was in. Not a lot of great shit happened for women. So when you look at men saying like I need to do this or certain women. And that's the thing. Benevolence, sexism. There's literally a test you can do to literally rate it. Believe it or not, women believe in benevolent. Women express benevolent sexism just as much as men. Sexism isn't a good thing, right? But women and men, to a certain degree, when I looked at the charts for different countries and everything like that, there wasn't a huge gap in terms of how much women express benevolent sexism and how much men expressed it. 
or how much they believed in it. Like they bought into this idea that, oh, you're going to do things for me, but it's not for a good reason. So I'm telling you, it's like expecting so much shit out of men and then coming across one that is willing to do those things doesn't necessarily make y'all a match. You want a man to do those things for a certain reason. Make sure he wants to do them for that exact same reason. And that's what I think is important. In general, it's about to hit 30 minutes. I didn't want to give an episode that was too short. We're going to do this a little. It's going to still be the bi-weekly thing. But the way we're recording is kind of like I either have two weeks or in a way sometimes if I'm going to record that exact same week, technically I'll be able to push it within three weeks. So to y'all, y'all will get content every two weeks. But for me, I will have a lot more time and flexibility with how I record and I have the schedule for literally every day of the week. So it makes it 10 times easier for me to fit myself into this schedule. I was kind of the reason why it was very hard to be consistent in general. I put myself in the time slot and that was it. If I couldn't record at the time, I'm thinking, oh, damn, can we push it there? But I'm like, oh, damn, something just popped up. Like I would finish having a conversation with Peter, but oh, I can probably come in tomorrow. And then I get an email from my teacher saying, hey, tomorrow around this time, like this is the only time I have office hours. Like my day's constantly changing and I didn't allow this podcast to have a way to actually flow through this. It would just be constant. It's like, oh, hey, can you do this? Can you? And then the back and forth, when, oh, it's one of us takes an hour. Most of the time it'll be me taking that long. I'm not going to lie. But now it's like I can actually see how I can be flexible within the week, within the schedule of this podcast. So. For that, I will be a lot more consistent. I very much miss doing this podcast. And one thing I'm going to do is, which I'm going to say, is like I'm going to work on creating like a self-healing process thing. And I was going to, it was like a random book idea at first, but I'm going to make like a like a healing series where it's like I'll take a break and I'll literally communicate that. And I'll work on a series where it's probably like four episodes or something. And each episode will be focused on like a different part of the healing process that I think matters to a lot of people. So that right there, it'll be lit. I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of like the healing process for me. It's like, I'll give you an example. It's like part of the healing process for me, I believe, is awareness. How What, what does that even mean? I can make a whole entire episode breaking down how to be more aware of certain shit, look at different situations. And in situations like that, I can like, oh, let's think about an overthinker. It makes it a lot harder for them to be aware of their reality. He's like, so yeah. So it's like, I'm definitely going to have to give myself time to cook that up in a way that's proper, but. I definitely think breaking down a four episodes and even within episodes like awareness and this subsections, it, it'll be it pretty easy. But I very much love you guys. I appreciate y'all for listening and tuning in. And one thing I'm going to say is I wasn't coming in, but I still paid attention to my downloads. You guys listen to my podcast even when I haven't put anything out in weeks, sometimes even a month. And for that, I generally want to say I appreciate the support. Like I get to see what are new episodes people are downloading and what are like weekly amount of downloads I'm still getting. That right there, I'm not going to lie to you. When I seen the fact that there are people that are still willing to keep watching my shit, even while I'm not being consistent, like you're going to rewatch an episode because I didn't drop a new one. That's fucking love. And even if it's, oh, I didn't drop nothing. you, So you try to figure out an episode you haven't listened to. Just the idea that What's making you listen isn't in a notification. I'm not going to lie to you. That actually meant everything to me. And we're still going to try to hit close to 100,000 downloads. I think we're past 87,000 or something or like 85,000. I wanted to get to 100K before my first year. But I know I didn't give myself enough time to do that. So I'm going to make it a realistic goal and say before the end of this year, that's my birthday gift. 
I want to be able to look at something and be like, I got 100K downloads. Like in, t- in this year, that's something I want to accomplish. I haven't had a lot of things that I'm actually trying to strive for and achieve. And for me, I like when I have something that I'm aiming for because I get to be on it. So this is one of those reasons why my productivity with this podcast was kind of low down. It's like, what am I working for? What am I making these episodes for? If I don't have a reason, it's very hard to find that motivation. And that's the reason I'm giving myself to be motivated and be consistent with this shit. Even on those days where I don't feel like coming in. But also I got to understand the fact that this is something where it's, it's fun for me, which is why the flexibility is offering so much because at times I didn't come in because I wasn't in a good space. I don't ever want to do this podcast if I'm not in a space where I can be happy, where I want to help because I understand what my platform is for. It's a mental health podcast. Like, yeah, I come on here and talk about random shit and make y'all laugh sometimes, but it's like, I understand that's part of a mental need. You feel me? Like, that's something that's missing for a lot of people, so y'all still need that. But yeah, this is me saying I got y'all, I appreciate y'all. <laughs> and I got class, and I don't know about how long, but we're doing this and we're gonna make it work, bro. It's like, I was playing catch-up with school, but everything's back on track. After this week, after I get my ass kicked this week, we're back on track. I love y'all, be great. Thank you for tuning in.